Can you hear me? All right. Good morning. Ooh, we're loud. Well, my name is Gary. Hope you are all feeling encouraged this morning. I uh, had to wear my glasses today. I printed my notes too small. Been there, done that. Well, welcome. You know, over the last four weeks, we've talked about uh, being chosen by God and what that looks like. We got to listen to four different perspectives and four different life experiences and what that looks like for them. And so I hope that you had an opportunity to look at your own life and see how you have been chosen by God. Uh, that we're starting a new series, uh, but not today. Uh, it starts next week. They asked me to speak as kind of like an intermission. So I was given free reign. So you're getting, yeah, the halftime show. Depends on which one you like, right? Um, so, yeah. Okay. You threw me off there. Um, so what I was saying is uh, we got, I got to kind of pick what I wanted to talk about. And uh, I, I have a slide, if you want to put that up. Uh, I have a title for once. Uh, it's a dark picture, but uh, it's called From Valley to Victory. Uh, we'll be in Psalm 23 today. Uh, psalm 23 is probably my favorite psalm, as I know a lot of other people's do as well. So how do you come up with ideas to get up here and speak? Well, a lot of people have different ideas and different ways to come about that. I think for me, a lot of times I talk about what is currently, what I'm struggling with, what I'm dealing with, or what I'm studying out a lot of times. Um, you, sometimes you think about July 4th, you know, could I do like a themed message? You know, freedom in Christ or gratitude for freedom, right? A lot of choices and being creativity. And so I actually asked some people, you know, if you got up here, what would you talk about? I asked some people. Uh, Kelsey had a great idea. She wanted me to get up here and talk about how much I love my wife for 20 minutes, um, which would be really good for us. Maybe not for everyone else. I asked some other people. Uh, but one of the people who I asked was Sophia. And I asked her, I said, you know, what would you talk about? And she had an interesting one. She said, you should talk about everything happens for a reason. It's pretty interesting. And um, so after all the people I've talked to, I decided to go with hers. So this is my ode to Sophia and what she asked for. I'm going to attempt to tackle that using Psalm 23. So let's pray, and let's get into it. Uh, dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for our freedoms. Thank you for our family. God, I pray that this time is encouraging to you. Pray that you can speak through me and that it uh, reaches everyone in the way that it's meant to be. God, thank you for today, and we pray that everyone has a safe fourth, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, today's title, From Valley to victory. You know, everything happens for a reason is interesting. Uh, we tend to use that term negatively. Yeah. 
when someone wins the lottery, we don't say, man, everything happens for a reason. We don't. Uh, it's tend to be negative, right? It tends to be a, a relationship ended. You know, everything happens for a reason. You know, something happens to the house. My basement floods. Something goes, my AC goes out when it's 104. Oh, everything happens for a reason. So let's read Psalm 23. It is a very popular psalm. I'm going to read it in the NLT. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So this is a very personal and powerful scripture. It's one of those when you recite it and you really listen to the words, you kind of experience it. It's not one of those one-offs. Like you feel it deep in your soul. There's no references to us or they. It is all me, my, I. It's all very personal. There's a reason why it's read at a lot of funerals. It comforts our wounded soul. And why is this? Well, it covers all of life. With simplicity, it talks about the green meadows, the peaceful streams, the good times, the times when things are calm and going as planned. It also talks about dark valleys, advertisies, and enemies. But this psalm is comforting because of David's confidence in it. There's no poetic exaggeration or theology that we're reading. It's what he experiences. This isn't exaggerated in any way or shape or form. He experiences this. He hears his voice. He felt his presence. And he follows his lead. There are solid convictions that are formed in a crucible of dark times, of the everything happens for a reason times. If you look at the differences between verse 3 and 4, you'll notice that he goes from he and you, and talking in that third person about God, that when he shifts and he starts talking about the dark valleys, he switches it. He starts talking in the second person and starts saying you and me. It's pretty interesting. Why do you think that is? Well, one, it's more intimate. You know, he's talking direct and personal because he's experienced those dark valleys. 
you know, something happened, a change in his perspective in God because of those dark times. And if you think about it, when I am going through good times, I tend to talk about God. So when I'm going through my dark times in my hardness, that's when I talk to God. And I think you actually see that right here in David's perspective. He's in his good times, peaceful uh, streams and meadows. Oh, God, you are great. And he switches it, and he starts to talk about it. It starts to talk to him in the second person when he starts going through those tart times. So when the green grass or when the grass is green, I tend to look for greener grass. So that's how I usually am. And then when the dark times come and the struggles come, that's when I start like, okay, God, I need you to step in. I need you to step in here for a moment. So let's look at the first point that I have. I got two points. First point is God allows time in the valley. God allows time in the valley. You know, in the first four verses, we read a gentle picture of a shepherd with his sheep, and that pretty much describes the relationship with God. Everything makes sense in this picture, but in verse 4, we start to see a change. We see a dark valley. And what does that do? It kind of conjures up a dangerous situation. Dangerous where the sheep are in jeopardy unless the shepherd is alert and attentive. Now, why would a sheep be going through such a phase? Well, it's, it, I don't think that this is talking about sin. I think this is talking about life, of the sheep veering off and possibly running into an enemy or an adversary, falling off the cliff. I think that the sin isn't the part that he's focusing on. It's the everything happens for a reason. And the interesting thing is the shepherd is leading the sheep to that place, is leading through those dark times. He's leading them, and therefore we assume and we know that the shepherd knows the way. And while those paths are right that he talks about, that doesn't mean they're not easy. It doesn't mean they are easy. It doesn't mean that or they're not painful. It doesn't mean that they aren't difficult. It's that he's leading them to a better place, to a better place. And verse 3 and 4 confirms this. I want to read some quotes to you all of some dark valleys. These are quotes. I barely have the will to get up in the morning. Our marriage is failing. I don't know where the money is coming from to pay next month's rent. I failed an exam that I studied hours and hours for. My kids are out of control. I do not feel heard. It's difficult to put Jesus over current culture. I make fun of others because my friends 
do it. So these are real trials. Uh, the interesting thing is, is that while we think about trials outside of these four walls, these are all quotes that I was given to this week by people in this room. It's not outside somewhere else in the city. These are trials that I got permission to to read from people this week. This week. And that is as real as it gets. So, know that God allows time in these valleys and has appointed this as one of his paths to righteousness. The reasons, they may not be apparent. They may not be understood. The valley, it isn't good. But the shepherd is. And he knows the way. So the second point that I have for you is the shepherd has you covered. There are three simple things that I see David do in this psalm. Number one is he stayed in God's presence. And we read that in verse 3. He speaks of God's nearness and his presence. When that dark valley is dark and scary and you can't see the hand in front of your own face, when adversities lie in wait for you around the corner, God has something he wants you to hear. I am with you. So I moved here in 2019. I was dating Kelsey. We had dated for a little over a year, had talked the year prior to that, and it got to a point where I needed to move here because we just we were kind of in this impasse, right? You just couldn't really grow anymore based on me driving out here every two weeks from St. Louis, Missouri, and staying for 12 hours, 24 hours, two days, we just got to a point where I had to move here. And uh, my biggest fear on that was, man, what if I can't find a job? And uh, I wrestled with that for a long time. And it really did get to a point where Kelsey and I almost ended our relationship just because, one, we weren't growing because I wasn't here. And two is that I just started kind of getting closed off and irritated that I couldn't find a job. And my fear was I would move here and not be able to find a job. I had worked for an employer for like the last six or seven years, and they wouldn't transfer me here. I came here, I had interviews with them, I met people, and it just didn't work. So after a long time of being in a dark valley, I decided to have a little bit of faith and move here. So I moved here in February or March of 2019, and I, I lived with Ken and Lana while Kelsey and I bought a house, and I knew I was going to propose to her, and I proposed to her shortly after that, and uh, started all that process. So we ended up getting married in July. But one of the things is that I moved here knowing my biggest fear was not being able to find a job. And you know what happened? 
I couldn't find a job. Month one, month two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I couldn't find a job. I eventually uh, got a job with Lowe's because it got to a point where it's like, listen, I know my worth, but I also know that I need a job. And so I took a job with Lowe's and worked as customer service, making $12 an hour, and that's what I had to do. But it was a dark, dark valley. And for me to get through that without throwing up my arms and moving back to St. Louis or doing something crazy, I had to uh, do, I had to be close to God and trust him. And I didn't know the reasons why. I didn't know why I couldn't find a job when I knew I was qualified for most of the jobs I was applying for. And um, it just, it was a difficult time. I eventually got out of it, got a good job, and about a year later, but it was a dark time. Now, there was good in that. One, working at Lowe's, you get a lot of sweet discounts, right? We were able to furnish uh, our house with a lot of things uh, for pennies on the dollar. We were, I mean, in looking at those, it's difficult to see through those dark valleys or those little glimpses of, you know, everything happens for a reason in the positive sense, not the negative sense. I, I took the job and and that is all fine and dandy, but it did provide a lot of good uh, in our relationship and um, how we just grow as a Christian. And that was one of those uh, dark times where I had to really believe in God's presence. You know, there's no valley, no matter how dark it may seem, that you will ever go through alone. He will not leave you, and that psalm says that over and over again. I think the second thing that David saw was God's power. Uh, He talks about a shepherd's rod. Uh, A shepherd's rod is, back then, is a two-foot club, and the head was rounded. And they got it from a tree's knot. There was a a knot in a tree. And basically, they would carve that into this two-foot club. And then they would take shards of metal, and they would beat them into this uh, rod. And that's how uh, he, and it was made out of oak, so it was really strong wood. And that's how he would, the shepherd would use it to fight off enemies, fight off the animals and and the different things. But it's interesting that David uses that here. It says that his rod and staff comfort me, and he protects us. In 1 John 4, verse 4, it says that greater is he that is in you than he in the world. And that's interesting is because he leads us through these paths, though there are dark valleys. He has a rod, and he uses it because he's powerful, and he saves us from these adversaries. I think the last thing that you really see is that he experienced God's leading. So the other thing that he talks about in there, he talks about his rod, which is that two-foot club. He also talks about his staff. 
Uh, and what he's talking about is a shepherd's crook. Uh, it is a long stick, and it's got a hook at the end of it. And uh, the way that it was used is when, they, when he was leading the sheep, and one of them would get out of the way, he'd use it, and he would tap the sheep at the end of it, and it would allow that sheep to get back in line, right? They veer off. They, they see a squirrel or whatever they see. And they veer off and they run off, and the shepherd would use the crook to tap, right, the tap. So the rod and staff are two different things. The crook end is a hook. So sometimes sheep fall. There's a lot of uh, cliffs and hills, and the sheep would fall off, and they would use the crook to pick up the sheep if it falls off. So that's a little bit about what he's talking about on the rod and staff comforts me. And... It's interesting because David was comforted by that, and that's because the shepherd was guarding his steps. So that path is dark and scary, and we probably will get injured. We'll probably veer off. But that's where God steps in, and he is leading us. He has the tools, the experience, and the leadership to keep us safe, and he had a means to get us out if we turned away. So when you find yourself weak, in a dark valley, uncertain of your future, know that God is leading you through the path of righteousness. And again, that righteous path doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean that there aren't times of difficulty, as we know some people are going through right now. So this message is a shorter one. And I think that I chose it to be a little shorter than normal, really because uh, this is one of those psalms that just speaks volumes in itself. I don't really need to go super in-depth on this because I am sure reading this psalm hits you specifically in the way it is attended to right now. So let's transition to communion. So Jesus knew the path, and he knew it was going to be a dark valley, and he did it anyway. He knew that the shepherd would lead him down the right path, though it wasn't easy. You know, when I, um, about a year and a half ago, I started having some chest pains. And these chest pains got worse and worse and worse, and I just kind of thought it was anxiety or thought it was something else. And finally, after all this time, I decided to uh, go uh, to the doctor. And the doctor tested me for some things, and uh, one of the things that I got was an x-ray. And that x-ray, when the doctor called me, it was like, well, um, we found something on your x-ray, and we need to take a closer look at it. Can you come back in and do another x-ray to make sure it wasn't a shadow? I said, yeah, no problem. So I go in, I do it again, and the second x-ray confirmed that it was uh, not a shadow. So they scheduled me for a, a CT scan, which I went and did 
that also confirmed that it was a mass on my lung. And it was on my right lung on the upper end, and they were like, we, we need to look at this. I said, oh, okay. So we're freaking out. They decided to do a PET scan. Uh, that's where they fill you full of dye, and uh, they put you in this machine, and it, if it glows, uh, typically it's cancer. And so I go and I do this machine, and they fill me with this stuff, and uh, I get the results back a couple of days later, and it glowed. And I was like, oh, man. So they scheduled me with a pulmonologist, and I went and saw him, and he showed me for the first time after all these tests what I was actually dealing with, and sure enough, I had a uh, large mass on my lung. So they scheduled a biopsy for it, and uh, I had to go to St. Joseph's, and I had to have surgery. They cut it out. Uh, they, I was awake for it. This was crazy. But they did a biopsy on my lung, and, you know, it was basically just confirming all of the positive results that I've done ever since. And uh, I, we waited and waited and waited, and I, we got the results back, and it, it ended up not being cancer, which is great, because uh, all these tests really did show that it was probably that. Uh, they actually still don't understand why it glows. Now, that may turn into something in the future, but we're very grateful for that. That is really one of my darkest valleys that I've gone through since I've been here. You know, it's time of like just every time you go to the doctor, you just, your life's just getting cut shorter by 10 years every time. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. I think Jesus had that as well when he went to the cross, right? He knew that his time was getting cut shorter with every interaction, with every healing, with everything that he was out there doing. But he believed that the shepherd knows the way. What did Jesus do? He stayed in God's presence. Jesus saw God's power. And Jesus experienced God's leading. And we, as Christians, are called to do the same. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for our lives. You bless us. You are our shepherd. We want nothing. God, I pray that we can experience your presence each and every day. That we can be near to you and experience your leading and understand and grasp how powerful you are so that we can easily come and bow before you. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for him taking that path of righteousness so that we have an opportunity to have a relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.